0: And so today I want to preach to you not so much from the empty tomb, although that's the foundation, not so much from how the Lord appeared to his disciples, but I want to preach to you what is the extension of it all, that this same Jesus shall so come in like manner. Now, the resurrection of Christ establishes for us the facts of his coming Again, Christ is going to come again bodily. That's a fact. That is a cardinal doctrine in our gospel. Welcome. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. And we're on the air each day, Monday to Friday, 5 and 5, to bring you the message of the gospel. And I trust that you will be blessed and helped as you hear the resurrection story. But it's not so much that Jesus rose again, was seen of many, but that as this seeing Jesus ascended into glory, he shall come again. And so we're going to be preaching today, really, on the second coming of the Lord Jesus from glory, and he shall come to gather together his own church by a mighty resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Christ ensures the resurrection of his church. Now, stay tuned today as we come right through our message, May the Lord Stir Your Heart. I want to tell you about a missionary couple and their children who went on a sightseeing visit in Costa Rica. The youngest of the children was a little boy called Mark. He was just six years old. And they went to visit a Roman Catholic cathedral in the city of Cartago. The children noticed many images, including a statue of Christ hanging on the cross. Later, they also visited a Spanish mission. Some of the children were frightened when they saw a wax figure of Christ in an encased glass casket. And that night, during family devotions, the little boy, Mark, said, "'Daddy, I've seen Jesus dead so many times today.'" would you tell us the story of his resurrection? And so his daddy did. And after he finished the devotions, he said, Daddy, that is the best story in the whole world. And today I have the great joy of preaching to you what really is the best story in the whole world, that Jesus is risen. I want to preach to you today not just that Christ is risen and the resurrection, but I want to take it one stage further to the what is built upon that doctrine, that that same living Lord Jesus is coming again. In the law of gravity, what goes up must come down. These angels who visited these disciples when they saw the Lord who ascended into the clouds. And they said to uh, the eleven disciples, they said to them, "'This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven.'" There they were, killing themselves with neck strain, looking up into those clouds, wondering, would their Lord appear or not? And the angel said to them, This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. And so off they went to their work and to the upper room. The resurrection is the foundation of Christ's second coming, such a doctrine that the Lord will one day come again that he will appear in the clouds in great glory at the sound of a trumpet. That doctrine would be like a wet blanket if there was never the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the tomb. If the tomb was not empty, how could we ever preach the coming again of the Lord Jesus? You might be asking here today, but what has this resurrection to do with us? Why? It is of such importance. The answer is very simple, because the Lord is coming again. And the resurrection is the foundation of it. It is the very, very first step that enables us to preach this great hope. And so today I want to preach to you not so much from the empty tomb, although that's the foundation not so much from how the Lord appeared to his disciples, but I want to preach to you what is the extension of it all, that this same Jesus shall so come in like manner. Now, the resurrection of Christ establishes for us the facts of his coming again. Christ is going to come again bodily. That's a fact. That is a cardinal doctrine in our gospel. And that was the miracle of the resurrection morning, because the thing that was missing was Jesus' body. It wasn't a spirit that they went looking for. It wasn't a phantom, but it was the physical body of Jesus, the thing that should have been there between those grave clothes the thing that should have been observable and touchable inside the tomb, but it was gone. The body was risen from the dead, and the bodily return of the Lord Jesus is a fact, because this same Jesus, as you have seen him in body ascend into glory, he shall so come in like manner. Now, There were many that were interested in the physical body of the Lord Jesus. Think of Thomas, Thomas the doubter, the one who said, unless I touch that body and handle him myself, I will not believe. And then a week later, when the Lord reappeared to his disciples, he said, Thomas, come on over, touch me handle me and see. And he held out the scars in his hands. And of course, Thomas also put his hand, or the Lord invited him to put his hand right into the riven side where the Roman's centurion's spear had pierced him. Jesus' body was real to Thomas. And it was that physical body of Christ that satisfied Thomas and made him an apostle of the gospel. When Jesus appeared to the disciples on the seashore, he invited them to dine, and he himself partook of that food, all to prove the point that he was risen in a real physical body and this is the cardinal doctrine of our faith. Christ will appear bodily. You may believe many other details or not believe other details about the coming again of our Lord Jesus, but this one doctrine you must believe. Jesus shall come bodily. He will be visible. Every eye shall see him when he returns in the very clouds of glory. Now, do you confess that? Do you say, that's my gospel? That's my hope? That's my Lord Jesus. He's the one who died on the cross for me. He's the one that death could not hold. He defeated death. He rose again. He ascended to glory, and he shall come in that same body to call me home. Do you say yes to this bodily, physical return of the Lord Jesus. So he'll come bodily, he will come visibly, and he will come truly. Now, I mean by that, it's actually going to happen in real time. It is a fact. Indeed, it is a fact so entwined into the doctrine of the resurrection that you can't have one without the other. You can't say, well, I believe that part of it, but I just can't get my head around that, and I, I, I reject that. You take the whole lump. You take the whole meal deal, or you reject it all. When Paul the apostle stood against the philosophers at Athens—and you read of this in Acts 17. We're right in that book anyway, so we'll go to chapter 17 and to verse 31— You will see how he preached these two things together: the resurrection and the bodily return of Jesus. Verse thirty-one, Acts seventeen, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. He's a real man. He was, of course, a real man on earth for thirty-three years. Yes, he was a supernaturally conceived by the incarnation in Mary's womb, but he came forth in a real, physical human body. And he died in that real body as a man, the God-man upon the cross. And he rose from the tomb physically in the human body. And by that man whom God hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Do you see how those two things go together in apostolic preaching? And if we today are to preach as the apostles, as in the New Testament, we must get these things linked together. And because the tomb is empty, because Christ is risen, because he has departed in a physical body, this seeing Jesus shall so come in like manner bodily, actually in real time. It is is going to happen. To the apostles, the same power that raised up the Lord Jesus from the dead is the power by which they preached the gospel. That's how they could say to men and women, you can be saved. You can be delivered from your sins. You can be changed. You can be changed in heart. You can be changed from being a wicked, rebellious sinner to a new creature in Christ. Because the gospel that the apostles preached was the gospel of the power of the resurrection. That's why I wanted us to look at Philippians 3.10, where Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, or the power that is in his resurrection. And that's the power by which he saves, converts, sanctifies, and one day will glorify his people. Let me put it this way. The resurrection was the act that let the genie out of the bottle. It started a process that can never be stopped. And of course, they tried to stop his resurrection. They tried to prevent, well, the story from being told by some means that he rose from the dead. They put guards upon the tomb, and they tried to deny it all, but the genie was out of the bottle. Christ was risen. And he appeared, not just to the women, but to all the disciples. And later to 500, Paul says. Now, you just try to deny that. 500 witnesses to the living, risen Christ? How do you get that back in the bottle again? That would be like you running off some statement and putting it on the photocopier." Running off five hundred copies and giving them out, distributing them to all your friends and neighbors or whoever. And then later saying, But I want to retract that. I want to deny that now. I shouldn't have written that. You just try getting that back. And with the fact that Christ appeared to so many, it is absolutely undeniable. There are people who today try to deny the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and thereby they tried to deny his second coming. The reality that the trumpets shall sound and this seemed Jesus shall appear in the clouds descending to rain is a difficult thing to accept. It's hard to accept. How can it be? But remember something. When the disciples saw Jesus crucified to the cross, and when they went into hiding, it was a hard thing to take in that their Lord was risen. And when the news broke, the women announced to them, he's gone, he's risen. They were not yes men who said, oh, yes, girls, we we, we know. No, it was hard to accept. Until Jesus appeared in their very midst, And poor Thomas was absent that day. That's a good reason never to miss church, because when the big event happens, you're not there. You'll end up like Thomas. But then Jesus appeared to Thomas too, and to the many others. Now, the Lord Jesus made sure that he was seen. Would you go back to Acts 1 here we're looking at, and look at verse 3. You can see how Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He is careful to write this in Acts 1, verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive. That was deliberate. That was all deliberate after his passion by many infallible proofs. These are genuine, correct, unmistakable events, undeniable. And, of course, the Lord appeared deliberately. Without the resurrection, there could have been no Christianity. Without a living Savior, Christianity was dead in the water. It had no future. We know that this truth, this reality of the living Lord Jesus, that it revolutionized those apostles from hiding fearful men to bold witnesses— of the living Christ and of the resurrection. For Paul, a sight of the living Christ on the road to Damascus, one glimpse of his shining glory, one listening to his voice, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Paul, the persecutor of Christians, the denier of Christianity, became its chief apostle in the New Testament. Yes, Jesus is alive. And the apostolic ministry was based on the resurrection. Paul's famous argument, if Christ be not risen, then we are of all men most miserable. We are yet in our sins. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, but Christ is risen, and because he's risen, he's coming again. It's not over. He's coming again. Are you a believer? Have you accepted the grace, the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and say, Lord Jesus, even so come, Lord Jesus, for me? Now, the next thing I see here is the resurrection of Christ establishes the purpose of his coming. It says here, This Him Jesus. Jesus. Think of his name. Now, if you are in South America or of some countries, you might find that many people call their children Jesus. There are many boys and men called Jesus, especially in the Spanish-speaking world. And so, we have to wonder, who is this Jesus? And of course, our Lord Jesus warned that in the future, many false Christs will appear And they will say, Lo, Christ is here, or Lo, Christ is there. Believe them not. Why? Because when the real Jesus appears, it will be unmistakable, unmistakable. Why is he coming again? For the same reason that he came the first time, because his name Jesus means Savior. He shall save his people from their sins. And Christ is coming again, the second time, to gather in the harvest of his church. Why did he go to the cross? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he suffer as a substitutionary lamb in the place of others? Because he was purchasing his church. And he is going to return. He's coming again to gather them home to glory. Now, death is the old enemy of sinners. And if a Savior is really going to save his people, he must not only wash away their sins, write their names in some book in heaven, but he must also give them victory over the sting of death. He must deliver them from the grave and raise them to eternal life." You see, Jesus' work is not done yet. Oh yes, the work of atonement is done. The work of suffering is over. But the work of building his church and presenting that church to the Father is ongoing. And he shall come again the second time because his name is Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. And the curse of sin is death, but the gospel, the coming again of Christ, is the answer to death.
1: Even so, come, precious Lord Jesus, creation waits. Redemption. shall see
0: You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I do sincerely thank you for staying with us right to the end of the message here. And uh, before we close and bring the announcements, we have just a few questions and answers. Just to recap, why do we insist on the resurrection of Christ as a fact of history? Well, firstly, it's his story. That's what this history is. It's the story, the reality, that Jesus, the Son of God, burst from the powers of death and rose to life, and breaking the power of death is able to give life to his people. Now, the issue that uh, he was seen of many, including 500 witnesses, that can never be denied. Those are facts, and facts are stubborn things that just will not budge. And so the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is well-founded on solid facts and on true history. Indeed, it is the most uh, attested truth of all time that Jesus, the Son of God, did come forth from that grave and appeared to many. Now, why is the resurrection and the return of Christ linked together. Well, let me say this, that the bodily resurrection equals his bodily return. This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. And as we know Jesus arose bodily, we also know that he shall return bodily. And that is one of the fundamental doctrines of Christianity. Christ Shall return. He shall come in his body and he shall come to gather together his own church and raise us into his likeness. Won't it be wonderful to have a body like the risen, exalted Lord Jesus? Won't it be wonderful to gaze upon him and to see the scars upon his hands and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? in that new and glorified body, and we too will be changed into his wonderful likeness. A final question, what is this resurrection power? In Philippians 3.10, the Apostle Paul prayed that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Well, resurrection power is really the, the dynamic power of God at work, In the Christian's heart and life, there is power for the Christian, and it's the same power that raised up our Lord Jesus from the dead, bursting the tomb and giving life uh, to the Lord Jesus. And every born-again Christian has a degree of this power within him or her. So rejoice today that the Christian is not left powerless, we're not left hopeless, but that we will come to know Christ and grow in experiencing the power, the dynamic, mighty help that comes from the Lord. And I pray that that will be your portion today as a child of God. And if you're not a Christian, that you might realize that there is victory in Jesus because every person who trusts in him is given resurrection power and I call you to personal faith in the Lord Jesus, trusting in him. No more excuses that you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't give up things, you can't change your heart. Jesus will change you when you put your trust in him. So come today and put your faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ.